I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to part two of the Overlap Live Fan Debate and Association with Skybet. We've got the guys back and we have to talk about the biggest news in football for a long time. So, Chris, Lee... Talk to me, the Newcastle takeover. How are you feeling? We've had a drag away from the party, to be fair. <laughs> the hindsight right now, since last Wednesday, I would say, has, has yeah. been through the roof. Um, we saw scenes when, when Liverpool won the Champions League, what it was like outside that ground. We're the same, just because we've got rid of Mike Ashley. So, it's as a Newcastle fan, it's, I'm full of pride now because I can actually see me, me club going forward, and mm. that's all that we've ever asked for. And, and something... I felt as if the chains were on under Mike Ashley, and now we might actually have a chance to, to win a few games. It's all we want, win a few games. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hope that we wanted because it's, Gary, you've talked about it numerous times recently. Jamie, you've got, you know, Scouse has Geordies, and we've been, had the life just sucked out of us for so many years. And, you know, it, that mindset, you're thinking, oh, it's negative. I hope we get a point today. That'll change in time when the playing squad will get better, we'll invest, you'll see the whole city, the area, youth development, the stadium, the training ground. It's a big, big time for us as Geordies and we've waited and we're the last club in the Premier League to actually have a takeover. And we've got that now and we can't we can't wait, can we? Can't wait, it. just beaming smiles. It. I don't want to, to kind of throw a you know what I mean, a, a spanner in the works, but should, do, we, do we have a right to feel a little bit uncomfortable about where the money's coming from? Yes, but you can also say that against some of the Premier League sides in today's. If you look at Chelsea, look at their owner. If you look at Manchester United doing a strategic deal with Saudi Arabia almost four years to this day, you look at, you, you just move across and look at who the owners are in the Premier Leagues. I think it's not our fault that we've got Saudi investment we're more happy that Mike Ashley has gone out of our club. And yes, there is concerns of human rights and what happens to Saudi Arabia, but that shouldn't be put on us as a fan base. I think we can still obviously be concerned about what, where the money's coming from, of course, but we can still celebrate the same fact of, of the ownership going under Mike Ashley. We've got to educate ourselves right now in regards to, to what has happened in the past and where the money is coming from. We'll have to do that as a fan base. We can't ignore it. It's going to be questions which are going to be asked for God knows how long now. It's something we'll have to live with. Derek, I know you, you, you've got a few thoughts on this yourself. Yeah, this, this, I mean, there's people who I really respect and admire and like who are absolutely 100% against this takeover and I completely can take their point and you can't disagree with that stance. Um, in terms of football <laughs> itself, um, once you accept money from Abu Dhabi, you've already basically accepted that countries and states with human rights issues have entered into the Premier League, Russia, China. So when there's money coming from these countries, you're already accepting that sort of the state involvement from Manchester City. Now, Saudi Arabia has got poor, poor record on human rights. Women can't partake in most parts of economic life. It's absolutely wrong. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Where I come from on it is that you either take the stance that our country should never accept investment from these countries and that you should never allow them into English football. Or you say, actually, we will allow them into English football and it's part of their, what would be softening of their human rights issues. It's part of their, what would be change that they're going to go through as a country. I don't think England and the UK, were, or England in particular, were particularly great three or 400 years ago. So my view is that I would want Saudi Arabia to change, I would want Qatar to change, I would want Abu Dhabi to change, I would want them to have good human rights records, I would want them to have the right standards, I would want women to be able to partake in economic life, I would want them to deal with all the issues that they have in those countries. I always believe you're better off round the table with these people to be able to allow them to change rather than saying, no, you're not coming mm. in. And what I would like to do through football is pressure Saudi Arabians to change far more quickly than they have been doing. I know they have made changes in the last few years, 
but they have to change. They've wanted to invest into sports production and sports clubs, as have Qatar, as have Abu Dhabi, as have Russia, as of China over the last five or ten years. It's been a strategy that these countries have used for Western acceptance and Western integra integration. Are we right, you know, to kind of listen to Lee and Christian say it's almost not on the fan base? No, they don't choose who, who takes oh. over them. Look, football's not geared up to be able to cope with this anyway. Okay. Football's, I mean, football can't, football is structurally incompetent and not sound. We've seen clubs in this country trying to run away with the basically the crown jewels in the last six months. We've seen big picture 12 months ago where the clubs have tried to gain power and self-importance, ego, greed, reign supreme in the game. That's why I've called for an independent regulator. I think this is the type of deal that would have been looked at by an independent regulator to see whether it was the right thing for English football. However, the horse has bolted in some ways when it comes to human rights issues and ownerships of football clubs, not just in this country, but in Europe. City, United, apparently Liverpool were against it. Mm. You can't listen to them. Morally yeah. bankrupt six months ago, those yeah. three. Mm. What they tried to do, so they can't complain about anybody else. However, that's why I believe football in this country is far more important than what would be a number of clubs. It needs to have some what would be independence at the heart of it. And hopefully that comes in soon. Yeah. Lee, Chris, what do you want from the owners and what do you expect them, honestly, to deliver in the next 12 to 18 months? I think we've already had a little clip, it's already, just in, in the space of, what, four or five days, we've, we've heard more from Amanda Stavey and her party than what we've ever had under mm. Mike Ashley. And, and it looks like, the, she said, the pockets will be deep, of course they will be, but this is a project at the end of the day, and I think we appreciate that as Newcastle fans. Obviously, the last 14 years, that, there hasn't been a single project there. So... For a slow build, they're, they're perfect. We're, we're not expecting, no matter what the likes of the media may say, we're not expecting to win the Champions League, the Premier League in the next five years. As well, training ground needs investment. It's appalling yeah. state. It's equivalent of a League One. We've got the worst training ground in the Premier League. There's, except from the long staffs, we haven't had nobody come in for years and years. Local talent, where's the money getting put in there? Um, Chris is right, money will come in. We will get better calibre players. But I look at someone like a Leicester City right now and think... Why can't Newcastle be a less than a couple of years' time? Yeah. Get the trainer ground, get better coaching, change the manager. This manager has to go for me. Change all of that. New identity, a fresh start. Hope is what we want, and we've got it now. Scholes, do you think Steve Bruce deserves a crack at this or, or, or not? <laughs> yeah, I think he probably does. Why? Yeah, you, uh, you might win something next couple of years. You could win the championship next year. Why does he deserve <laughs> 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 Yeah, you was ready. You could win the richest, richest club in the championship. He's a championship manager. No, look, I, I think he's... Well, look, I'm obviously going to say he deserves a chance. We've played with him, we know him. Um, I do do that, I think it's going to happen? No, probably not. Because new owners, they bring new people in, owner. It happens every single time. Um, and do you know what? When these managers get big payoffs for failing, <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's wrong. Yeah. But with Steve Bruce, for the flack and the he's taken from all the fans just protecting Mike Ashley, he deserves a big payoff for what he's done. I understand that. And as Locke comes back to us fans saying he's been too harsh on Steve Bruce, he's criticised him too much, he's a manager that's been failed to win games. It happens at every single club. But for some reason, it gets tarnished against us saying, you should. We're 19th in the league. We've won seven games in the last 37. That, that's poor, We've that. We've won none this season. Yeah, but I, I, you can't expect improvement straight away. It's not going to happen straight away. Pardon? Three years? Three years. Three, 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 I know, with, in Newcastle, January, for the where money. they're at, staying in the league is probably success. Is that where we, From the amount of investment you've had. Is that where we should be, though? No, it's not where you should be, and it's not hopefully where you're going to be in years to come. You, well, it's it's going to take... A good, a good amount of time. Don't just expect next year we're going to be challenging for, for the oh, league title or European trophy. Look at City, it took him a while. No, no, I, three, I four, think Newcastle three or four fans years. fully understand that, but, but Steve Bruce, if, if not Steve Bruce, a bit. then who? Who do you want? And who realistically can you get? If I had a magic wand, I would have in long term, I'd probably go for someone like a Mancini, but for short term, someone like a Brendan Rodgers or an Eddie Howe to gradually play better, expansive football, Climb the table because that is expected with the money coming in. Would you leave Leicester now for, 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 for a new castle side that's in transition? Money talks, isn't it? We've got plenty of it. I think that's a problem we have now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem that we've got now is the, yeah. the managerial situation. Is 
of course, everyone's looking at the, the world-class managers. Who's going to come in? <coughs> but we're 19th in the Premier League. We've got to remember that. So who's going to come in right now? My choice would probably be Graham Potter at Brighton. I, I would look at that and, and look at what he's done and, and the football that they're playing. We've got to remember that the playing squad right now isn't great. And that's not going to change overnight. And you'd be lucky if it changes much in January. Yeah. So you need a manager. That's going to be that in-between stage. Parrot, who do you, you bring in? Who, who would I bring? I mean, the people you're mentioning, they're actually in jobs now, so that would be a slight problem. And I think the problem for Newcastle is that at the next batch of players or the next manager, people don't want to be this first batch. They want to be the second batch. Because yeah. you've got an idea. If we bring Brendan Rodgers, we'll get us to fifth or sixth. Eddie Howe, whoever it may be. And then we'll get Mancini. It's the same with players. You're not going to get the best players right now, so you have to be realistic. So whoever you're thinking of signing as a manager or a player, no, you're almost getting brought into a certain job. And then we're going to try and move you on and get better till we get to a certain point. Maybe Jesse Lingard w- would be a good sign. He's not playing here. But would you leave Man United to go to a team who were 19th? If you're Declan Rice, would you, England central midfield player, would you go and play for Newcastle? I think it's going to be two or three years before we get where we're going to get, uh, get to. So I don't think it's, it's as easy as it sounds. a great position that you find yourselves in. But I'm, Gary's spoken about off the field. I'm really pleased that not Newcastle have got money and you've deserved this because they can talk about every club, you know, not for us, Sheffield Wednesday, all these big, huge clubs in English football. But I'm just glad there's going to be someone else who joining the party in terms of maybe challenging for the Champions League position, trophies as well. Because I think the sad thing about the way the game's gone is that teams who I class Newcastle as, I wouldn't class Newcastle as the elite or the sort of teams who've been there historically, like Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, if you go back 40, 50 years. But teams like Everton, Aston Villa, Newcastle, West Ham, those teams who are probably have ambitions to sort of get there, who have won big trophies in the past. Tottenham are probably another one in some ways, in that you, you, these big clubs have gone like 25, 30 years without winning a trophy. I, I, I don't like that. And, and I don't think it's right for English football that these giants of, of football clubs go on this long. So if Newcastle can get involved and there's more teams involved who have a chance of winning a trophy that we saw, maybe if you go back to the 70s, where it was almost like a different team winning the league every year, or the FA Cup in the 80s, different teams. I, I, I want a little bit of that back in football, I must say that, but I think, it's, I, I think if Newcastle win a league before, in the next 10 years, I think you've done a great job. Is this takeover, I know they've got huge money, is this an Abu Dhabi at City, Abramovich at Chelsea, or is this a the Leicester owners, the Everton owners, that are going to get them sort of up to a level that's like six to eight? Or is this a proper job? Like, you know, city, the City owners come in, the um, Chelsea owner comes in, Abramovich, and it's a proper job. Is this, I, I don't know what the investment actual proposal or the, I don't know what the proposition is. Is it like a billion over five years? Is it two billion? Is it... 300 million. What what they committed to? I don't know what they've committed to yet. I don't know what I, I think well, Amanda Stavely said it's a long-term thing. But what this, is it? Is it is it like a pro, is it a, is it a Chelsea a City or is it an Everton well, and a Leicester? The only good thing that Mike Ashley's done at the club has allowed us to go and spend. So we have up to 190 million to possibly spend. However, Amanda has said that if she wants to look at the youth, she wants to have a, a women's investment. I'd love to say have a WSL team, a bit like Man United have done. That's the long-term goal. Yeah, I think it sounds more like a city thing. Gary, I think we know as much as you. It's, it's all new for but, us as well. When so Abu Dhabi came in, they they you know they stated straight away. Abramovich, you knew straight away. I'm not quite sure that we know. The money they've got is off the scale. I know they have. I know, but, but so's the Arsenal owner. Coming. I know, but this is like completely <coughs> off. Like that owner has got more billion. money than the other 19 put together. But nobody said what they're going to spend. No, but what I'm saying is, when when Abu Dhabi came in, it was a Pardon? commitment. They probably just sponsored themselves, like you do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because obviously we, we invested a lot knowing financial fair play was coming and we got lucky before the drawbridge was pulled up but Everton awarded Aston Villa awarded can, yeah, can they, they spend that money there's, ca- there's cap space for Newcastle where they can spend they, can, they, they have the ability I think in the first week it's spend not that they have hundred. money but are they allowed to you know, in terms of like I'm not saying they shouldn't be for what it's worth because obviously that'd be a massive hypocrite but I'm just saying like, <laughs> but is, is the league going to like let them with financial fair play because that's different from I tell you what they haven't spent any cash in about 10 years you've got the Man City you're on the other side of the thing now because someone else has come in more money and it's all like well of the Premier League on the this game. Ultimately I don't care if you want to, but I'm saying will the actual Premier League We've we just had a, a summer where we spent one point six million because you wasted we it for the rest no, of the No I'm not before. listen that, that's on that's not disputed. We know we've wasted money but a hundred with all due respect, hundred and ninety million nowadays. 
Arsenal just spent about 130 million in this window, as you said before. Villa have spent 300 million over the last couple of years to be mid-table. So it's a long-term thing. We've got access to 15 billion, apparently, which would make Everton the third richest. We can't use it because the league doesn't allow us to use it. It's something I asked you about last time, Gary, about the changes and stuff. You obviously can't open the door and go spend whatever because then that's going to move away from what you're saying, where you want teams winning every year. But I think the sad thing is what what you're saying is right. It almost feels now that the scenes outside Newcastle's ground, it almost feels that's the only opportunity for teams outside what what we would call the teams, the elite or the Champions Mm. League clubs, to have a chance of winning something where you need someone to come in with like this 20, 30, 40, 300 billion. Listen, that's the way the game's gone. You can't change that now because the, the big teams with Champions League money have gone so far away from the others. But that, unfortunately, is it. And you said before about, is it Leicester money? Is it Everton money? Everton have got massive amounts of money, but it's still not compared to City. It's still not compared to yeah. Newcastle. Is, is that a big problem for sort of you? For <laughs> uh, no, of course, it's a, I think it's a problem for everybody. I think if, if the, the, the draw, you know, the draw bits has been pulled up, but if people relax the finances... With Everton's wealth, Everton go to third, apparently, you know, if you're talking about people's wealth, Everton become the third richest club in the Premier League. Well, that's sound, but we're still miles behind City and Newcastle. It means Liverpool have got an issue. If the, if the doors are open, Liverpool become an issue, Arsenal, Tottenham, it's an issue for everybody. Are the Premier League going to go, just let people spend whatever? Are the six clubs who tried to get off the other week? And, and it's being pushed if you were in the, the top six, you should have tried to get off. Well, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> Our owner said, and you can believe owners, can't you? <laughs> yours came out. Yours came out and said, "Oh, I'm really sorry." Well, you part of the big five, were you? Yeah, in the Premier League. The which? The big five and the Premier League formed you a part of that, haven't you? Of course, they were. I'm not. I'm not denying any of this. You know, what I'm saying to you is, it's a problem for everybody. But there's no way the six with the power are going to turn around and go, "Yeah, we'll let Newcastle in as well. We'll let Everton in as well," because inevitably some of them will be pushed out the door. There's a real problem. Mm. I don't know how you get round it. We've gone from a transfer window where we were begging for two loan signings, begging for it. We're going in January transfer window. We were thinking just last week, we have to keep a hold of Saint Maximum. If we lose him, now we're done. Yeah. We're we done. Build around him. Yeah, fair play. We're gonna we're gonna stick with you, Barry. Last time we were here, you two were giving him a, a bit of stick about the Rafa appointment. Have you got egg on your face? Are you happy with what's going on down there? Yeah, I'm, I'm relatively happy. Well, no, I am happy. Of course, I'm happy. Um, been a good start you know we've done I've seen a lot of a lot of people talking to us on our channel are saying mm-hmm. well, you know we've done what we should have done but that ain't been Everton's way yeah. you know beating teams like Norwich and Southampton and these kind of teams we've struggled so I think what the manager's been able to do is get the best out of people don't forget we played half of our games without arguably our best two players mm-hmm. in Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin you know, I'm still looking forward to November when Jamie's got his popcorn out. Will Rafa be the manager then? Do you think he might go back to Newcastle? Not a chance. <laughs> why not? Well, why would he? Because you've usually only got 1.5 billion to spend. They've got 300 million or billion. Well, they haven't. Have they? They've got 180 well, and then the, to go. Then the taxman comes. Do you think, a, do you think he'd want to go right no. now? No. We live, you know him. You know him better than That's I That's why I'm asking you. He lives, well, there you go. <laughs> listen. Listen. He's trying to tell us something. He's, he come, he come to Everton again. I think he'd love to go back to Newcastle if he had a chance. He, he can't do that. Oh, that. He will, but I bet you he'd love to. Would you want him back? Of course we would take Rafa yeah. back. Of course we would. I think would. the majority of the fan base would take Rafa. There is a small pocket think it's done. It's history. Yeah. But still the majority thinking, yeah, we'll take Rafa back. He'd be ideal about it, wouldn't he? Yeah. Are you two kind of, are you, you looking at it going, Okay, we got it wrong now. You thought it wouldn't work. No, I thought the football would work. Yeah, I think we said the football would work. The fans wouldn't. Yeah, wouldn't I, take think, to I him. just thought. That, well, I think it will eventually come to a point whereby. I think Rafa will. What he's just said about Rafa, he knows him better than I do. Is my view of him that he will try and use it as a stepping stone to go and do something different. I can't believe he's going to leave though after like three months. I, I don't think yeah. he's got. Has he got the name? Be funny though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, to me, it isn't even a possibility. It's not even a small percent because he. he Come here against a lot of flack. But well, you were like that with Ancelotti, and as soon as he got that I chance to Madrid, he was gone, wasn't yeah, he? It's Real Madrid. With all due respect, it, mate. It, <laughs> at the moment, and Newcastle, this could be Man City in six, seven years. Right now, they'll do well to stay up. Right now, won't they? I just don't think him going. I think if it was the summer and it was Everton or Newcastle, he'd have gone to Newcastle. Of course he would. Because he knows it and he's got the back. And now, I think he's firmly firmly planted where he is back home but I don't, I, I don't think there's many managers outside of top three or four who are firmly planted 
I think Rafa is. No. You have to, you have, you have to give him time. I'm not honest. <laughs> listen, listen, it's like that with Ancelotti. No. With He's only been there six weeks. You know, you, you have to give him credit for the rejuvenation of Gray, Townsend. I, I, like, you've got to be happy with, with what he's done so far in, what, seven games? Yeah, Rafa Benitez will, will want, was desperate to get back involved in the Premier League after he'd left Newcastle because he sees us talking about, or every support, Guardiola, uh, Tuchel, Jürgen Klopp, uh, Pochettino a few years ago, who we all saw as some of the top managers in mm -hmm. Europe. Rafa Benitez's ego and what he's mm -hmm. won in the past, he thinks he's as good as them. Yeah. And he wants that chance to prove it. And I think, I mean, you mentioned about the derby game in November. And we were joking a few weeks ago about, about you know, if Liverpool went 2-3-0 or three nil up, the, the Liverpool fans chanting. But I'm realistic enough to know, Rafa Benitez as a manager, that I think those games will be a problem for Liverpool. Not necessarily that Liverpool couldn't win them, but you think they're going to be tough. Mm. They're going to be a grind, as it was for Manchester United here. The way he set his teams up, I, I know him as well as anybody. But the reason I mentioned about Evan, I don't think he would go right now. But Rafa Benitez still thinks he should be competing in the Champions League. He's a manager who's got the quality who should be mm -hmm. you know, challenging for the Champions League. He believes that. And that's why I think, as, as Gary's mentioned, in a year or two, if he had that opportunity, I don't think he'd do it right now, but if he had that opportunity with Newcastle or Mikel Arteta left the Arsenal or they were in the Champions League, or the, I, I do think he, he still wants to be up there. And Everton... Could you argue it was a stepping stone? He wanted to get back. He's made a great start. And Everton were never going to get a better manager than Rafa Benitez because his record is as good as any manager in the Premier League. And, you know, I think he'll do a brilliant job at Everton, but he will still want another crack at a club where he thinks he could really win things. Yeah. I agree, but what I'm saying is if those rules are relaxed enough for Newcastle to use their spending power, then Everton will use their spending power. And Everton are starting from a much higher base than Newcastle. Can Newcastle outspend Everton three times? within the rules to get where Everton are now. I, and, Everton, and that's all Rafa's wanted for years as well, is actually to have a club back and properly. Okay. Think about Liverpool, you know, he got undercut so badly by Hicks and Gillette there. You know, he, OK, yeah, he ended up at Real Madrid and it didn't work out for him or whatever, but, you know, Napoli didn't quite have the financial no. power. He certainly didn't have it at Newcastle when he was there. He wants a fan base that's going to love him and he wants to be able to build the team that he do, wants do to build. Do you think at the end of Rafa Benitez's time at Everton, he will still be in the good books with both sets of supporters? No, because he'll, no. he'll have won us a trophy. <laughs> 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 Who knows? You never know how it's going to go, do you? But I, I just, for me, I feel like he's come here on the promise he'll be backed. Our owners have got loads of money. The minute it, not, it's not Newcastle money, of course, but it's a lot of money. And if he's being backed, he's living at home, he's in the training ground at half seven, he's going home at half seven at night. He's got what are you a stalker? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's never really had a pot of money to spend, has no, he? That, no. that I can think of. It. All no. the jobs that, he's done beneath. That, that's what he makes Valencia. you believe. That's what he, he always makes you believe that. No, he does. He, but Rafa always makes it sound like he's the underdog. That's he's just nature of the way he is. Yeah, where did he have a lot of money to spend? I'm not saying he didn't. He always under. He always. I don't think there was a lot of money at Liverpool when he was there. No. Not at Everton. Not at Chelsea. Not at Napoli. In a couple of years' time, it might be the first time, if. No, it's all hypothetical, isn't it? But in two or three years' time, if, if Newcastle come to him, it might be the first time he's got £250 million to spend. Right. And can, 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 you, the rules are relaxed, can he turn that down? <laughs> but the rules? They'll be the same rules, won't they? They'll be the same rules. Yeah, but still, they'll be able to afford the tax. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Well, it's absolutely crazy that you're saying you might be able to afford that. It's something which we've never heard. It's absolutely crazy. You've got to get used to it. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be like a City situation when they first got the money and they were buying yeah. the, the most random selection of players in the world. Sure. But you might have to go through that as well. But we're going to go for Liverpool fans. It's, it's, it's kind of standard start to the season for you guys. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice that we kind of like kind of forget about last season yeah. in, in, a, in a massive way. It was... It was it feels like it was the aberration that we were saying it was. Mm. I think there was a point at last season where everyone got a bit bored of hearing Liverpool go, oh, your injuries. Yeah. Like, like if any other team on the planet suffered that many injuries, they wouldn't have had a missteps as a result of it. So, and we got a bit bored of it. You know, you do and you start to look for the problems and you get guys going, oh, well, Liverpool passed their peak or the best players, are they on the way down? And, you know, and then you, it's an unprovable argument. So then you find yourself like backed into corners, going, "No, I, honestly, I just think I think if you put the world-class players back into the team, they'll probably be a bit better." Yeah. And and that, that's what we've seen this season. Really, Liverpool have got all this stuff. What the squad's not not deep enough. I think it is. Yeah. You know, you've got a bunch of proven winners there. Some of the best players, uh, the, probably the best assembled eleven, definitely. And I think probably 
15, 16, beyond that, that Liverpool have had in my time as a fan. First time we can say we've had the best player in the world in more than one position in the side that I can I can think of as well. It's good. Cara, you, you're well placed. I mean, this, do you feel like Liverpool are back to their league winning form? Uh, pro no? Probably not quite there. I agree with what he said in terms of when people talk about Liverpool's squad, this squad is actually better than the team that won the league. When you actually go through the actual squad and the numbers of the team that won the league, there wasn't sort of the strength that they have now. Now, there's no doubt Liverpool don't have the strength of United, uh, City or Chelsea. They just don't because their squads are just unbelievable. They really are. But in terms of the 11, yeah. if you saw Liverpool's 11, and, you know, even if Liverpool were playing Man City's uh, best team and Liverpool's best team in a Champions League final, an FA Cup final. I'd still fancy Liverpool. Listen, City could still beat them, of course they could, but over the season, you won't be getting that first 11. Trent missed out uh, against City and you saw the problems James Milner had. So, Liverpool have not so much a really, they don't have a great squad, they do. They're just really sure in probably two areas and I probably right-back's a massive one, as we saw uh, against Man City. They probably got the, the, maybe the best set of centre-backs in, in the Premier League. The front players, you've got Jota to add to. Firmino looks like, looks like that's almost like a fight for a position. Now, yeah. Jota, I just think that they're an attacker short to, to go and win the league and an attacker who, with Salah and maybe Mane missing in January with the African nation. Just someone better than Origi or Minamino from the bench that these other teams have got. But I, I think Liverpool will, will be there or thereabouts. They have got a brilliant team. They really have. And some of the performances they put in already this season... I think have shown that they're not far away from where they've been in the past. Would, would anyone disagree with the fact that Mo Salah is probably one of the, the best players in the world right now on form? You see, right now it's seven, ga seven games in and he's just been in an unbelievable uh, run of form. Uh, and there's always this talk now, right now, of, of Mo Salah about his, his contract situation. And when you talk about not having the revenue of, of other clubs, you, Man United bring Ronaldo on, reportedly he's on four or five hundred grand a week. Possibly, why shouldn't he be one of the greatest players in the world? But Mo Salah should look at that and think, well, why aren't I? Yeah. Why aren't I on Kevin De Bruyne? I, I, I did hear a rumour that he, he did ask for that. that well, but why shouldn't he? Yeah. He, should, he should be getting it. Now, Liverpool have had one of the highest wage bills. I think they were second highest wage bill last season. But I think that's in terms of all the players that are on really good money without someone being on maybe what Pogba's on or De Bruyne's on or Ronaldo's on. But I think with someone like Mo Salah, you have to make an, an exception or he has to be paid what he's worth. It, Liverpool have done brilliantly in buying Salah, Mane, all these players for not massive fees and made them sort of world-class players. Yeah. But once they become world-class, you've got to get world-class yeah. wages. So this thing with Mo Salah, Liverpool cannot afford to let him go because the chances of getting another Mo Salah are very difficult. And I think sometimes when people say, is Mo Salah underrated? I don't think he's underrated, but I think what gets forgotten is we always associate Liverpool winning the league with Van Dijk and Alisson coming in. So oh, they bought, they yeah. sold Coutinho and they bought them two and they won the league. But they were all signed in different windows. So Salah signed in the, in the uh, pre-season. Van Dijk coming in January and Alisson was the next summer. So those three players signed over a season and they won the league the next season. Since Salah's come in, Liverpool have got to Champions League final first season, won the Champions League, won the league, had last season, which was a mad season, you just mentioned, within, and now they're sort of here where they are now. So he's had an unbelievable effect, and I, don't, I think he will sign eventually, but he deserves to be getting paid what the other top players in this league again. Well, are you, are you, are you, how worried are you right now about this contract situation? Because he is such a key part of that team. Yeah, yeah, no, not really, if I'm honest. I, I think you've got to look at Mo Salah, and I think, because everyone's saying, Newcastle's owners would be desperate to have Mo Salah, and there's not many owners who wouldn't. But of course, someone of the, the, the stature of Mo Salah, and I think obviously in that part of the world, he's, he's held up in, in yeah. higher regard as well. But Salah wants to be the best player on the planet. And you know, and and, and that look at the look at the way he treats himself, look at the way he takes care of himself, look at the way he conducts himself on and off the pitch. And I, I think he's settled at Liverpool, and I think. I think it'd be a different story if Real Madrid and Barcelona were in a mess because I don't think they're the enticing options that they were in previous years. So you're looking at, I don't necessarily think he goes somewhere else in the Premier yeah. League. Maybe, who, who else then? PSG. But, but, but PSG, for what and for yeah. why at the minute? Yeah, you'll get loads more money, but are you going to have a better chance of winning the Champions League than at Liverpool? 
not really. I think it, five, ten years ago, I think I'd be more worried because I think he might have a Suarez-style situation yeah. where it's someone's dream to go and play somewhere else, whereas I think he's going to be in the contention for winning the major honours, both as a team and personally, and I agree. I think he's the exception that proves the rule for Liverpool's wage structure. He's, this season in particular, it's like they've gone, well, why are we going to pay you more money? What are we going to get? You're going to score more goals? And he's gone, yeah, go on. I think even Virgil van Dijk, who I think is probably one of the other best players on the planet, even he probably looks at them and goes, yeah, you know what? If anyone deserves to be that step above, yeah. right now it's probably Mo Salah. You really think that Mo Salah's looking at a Barcelona or a Real Madrid transfer and go, ah, not for me, not now? Uh, well, they're not in as high esteem as they were two, yeah, three, four years ago. Still... And I, I, I think he, he's right. If he wants to be the best player on the planet, he has to stay at Liverpool. He has to stay in England. I think the best players are here. It's the best league in the world now. We've got the three best coaches in the world with the best teams. So if he wants to be the best player on the planet, he has to stay here. And Liverpool have to pay him. I, I, don't, think, I don't think he will stay at Liverpool for the rest of his career. It's my personal view. It's always been that view. I could be wrong. The Premier League would be weaker if he left. I just think you look at someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, David Beckham, Kylian Mbappe, it's not all about the money. There's a, there's, a, there's a project and there's something that they have to achieve in their lives. They have to play at certain clubs. They have to mm. go and experience certain things. And I think Salah's got to experience Real Madrid, the Bernabeu. Real Madrid are going to come back, by the way. So let's, yeah. you know, I know it's not great at the moment in Barcelona. And Real why, why would he go to Spain, now to Real Madrid? I'm just saying, I don't no, think... Why, why would he go in the next couple of years? I just think Mo Salah is similar to those ones I've just mentioned. I do think he has to have that on his CV at the end of his career. I think he's an unbelievable job at Liverpool. We you, do you think he needs that on his CV, though? Would you say? I, I, I'm different. I, I know what you're saying about him and he wants that Real Madrid, that glam, that glitter, but I, think he wants I, I don't that. think he needs it. I've, always felt, I need I've it. always felt he wants a Paris, a Madrid, a Barcelona, and I think he'll go and get it. That's what I think. But I might be wrong. I, I, no, I, no, I mean, what you're saying is, I, I, I agree with what he's saying, right. but four or five years ago, there's certain players who you think they need that on the CV. It's like Real Madrid and, and Barcelona is the pinnacle for someone. But... I agree with Scholes, I don't think that's right now. And then if we're talking in a year or two's time, Mo Salah's then 30-31. I think even if you're them clubs, and, and they are in a bit of a problem financially, but to the outlay for someone at that age, I just, I'm not quite sure it's there. I think it sort of falls perfectly for Liverpool in terms of what you've just said, the situation, those, those elite. Listen, those two clubs are always the clubs that every player in our dressing room wanted to play for in terms of, we were different, we are local players. But everyone who joined your club, you knew as soon as Barcelona or Real Madrid wanted uh, Alonso, Mascherano, uh, you know they got Ronaldo. You know there's nothing you can do, you can't stop them. You've just got to try and get as much money as you can. But I just think the timing works for Liverpool in terms of where those clubs are right now. And when they probably get back to where they are, he's maybe 30, 30, 31, where you think, would you probably... Yeah. I, I think only one realistic place is PSG. Yeah. Well, PSG are not if going you, anywhere. If you think Messi's gone, Mbappe goes next year, yeah. then you'd think it'd be ideal. P yeah. PSG are not going anywhere, though, is the win. point. Is that Salah, can, Salah could easily do three or four seasons. Look at, the way, look at him. Look at the way he's conditioned. You know, it, he's not going to be a significantly worse player in three or four years' time. He's, he's, he's going to be like Ronaldo, at, I think. Look at, look at the Kane situation where we'll see even want Kane in a year's time if he carries on in the form. If, if Salah doesn't have, even the back end of his season isn't half as good as, as, as the beginning of the season, are they still, is he still yeah, going mean, to get that chance? He could cross the sheath and get it by a bus, you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> we're going to talk about the worst case scenario, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, fucking driving it! <laughs> <laughs> You would, buy, you would bank on what you've seen from yeah. Salah. That I, I can see him. I can see him signing a five-year contract, getting to 34 years old, and still being. I mean, like Messi's still moving, moving to. to P I know he's a. I don't get the PSG one, yeah. mate. Honestly, I no, don't no. get it. They I don't get why top players want to go. Money. And I, no, obviously, but if you're, I just. Other clubs can give you that type of. I just don't think if you're most Salah, you lead the Premier League to play for Paris Saint Germain. I mean. Well, name, I told you, agree, you, but if Liverpool don't give him 500 grand a week... Then. No, but it, it won't be far off it. it. Would you go there for an extra 100 grand a week and play in the French League every week? It's I don't think it's You guarantee Champions League semi-final, you, you're going to compete. At Paris Saint-Germain? I don't think I you are anymore. No. Watching them last week. I don't think it's about the money with Mo Salah. They've got no chance of winning the Champions League this year. You've got to give them the money. Because you said that before, who are they getting? They're not getting Haaland. I don't think it's financial play. Mbappe leaving Paris Saint-Germain is not a financial play. He wants to play. No, in I, I, I yeah. totally. I think yeah. Real Madrid. Are, if 
are one of the biggest, they're not the biggest club in the world, worldwide, I'm yeah. talking about, but for Liverpool, I don't think you can get better than Mo Salah. He's come in every yeah. year, plays every game, scores almost every week, or he's, he's, a, he's a problem for every team. If you're Liverpool looking and going, it's not like you can look and say, well, we've got this lad who's 22, he'll get as many as Salah, who's 30, and we're giving him big money. To, for, to keep Liverpool where they want to be, and I, understand, I know what you're saying, Gary, and yeah. I, I, I totally understand it, but for, from a Liverpool perspective, and for Salah, maybe, is there anywhere? I unless Ray Madrid's really If Mbappe really leaves, Paris Saint-Germain are coming in for him big, yeah. and he's going. It's my point. view. Yeah. Just right. we'll, we'll, they we'll, want the only move for Salah is City. Sterling, Sterling, didn't they? I'll tell yeah. you what, you need a centre forward, don't you? Eddie Grealish. You need a centre forward, you said, didn't you? Eddie Grealish. We're going to move over before an argument breaks, fight breaks out between all the fans. Um, taking it away from the Premier League, um, I want to touch on the World Cup every two-year idea from Arsene Wenger. I know you you spoke with him. I've heard a little a little rumour that you might not be as as, as against it as Carrer is. Um... The problem is with these things that at the moment football fans and pundits generally don't trust um, the football organisations. They think everything's about money. Mm. However, I have to say that you know you go to World Cup, you go to European Championships, and they are great experiences ordinarily in your life. And then you have those summers in between where you don't have the World Cup and the Euros mm. and you end up playing two or three games to the probably middle of June you end up still only getting three or four weeks rest and then you're going over to Asia on a three-week tour. So there's an element of, can they deliver a World Cup every two years? Can they deliver a European Championships every two years? But maybe if they thought about where that extra money went and they sold it in a way which was palatable to fans, to players, where they built in the right amount of rest for players, they did coordinate the, the calendar so that there isn't the African nations in January, that they do have a coordinated calendar across leagues around the world. So that actually the, the, the football calendar is a bit of a mess, let's be clear. Yeah. It's a mess. And at the moment, I don't think the players are happy. I don't think the fans are happy. I don't think the association's happy. UEFA aren't happy. FIFA aren't happy. So if they thought about it, rather than doing it in isolation, selfishly, and said, right, what, does, what do the leagues want? What do the fans want? What do the players want? What do the national teams want? Can we all come together to come up with a better deal for football? It could be palatable. So I'm not against it on that front. I'm against it where each organisation does it in isolation and says, we want this. And then UEFA say, well, hang on, we want the European Championships every two years. And all of a sudden the clubs then say, well, we're not, we want our uh, three-week tours to Asia, to America, to build our fan bases. The players then and the coaches say, well, we don't want to play all them games. Mm -hmm. The fans will say, it's costing us too much money. And before you know it, you've got a game that hasn't been coordinated, a plan that's not, and a strategy that is just a mess. And that's the problem with football. It's just too disconnected. And so I would say at the moment, I'm not against it, but it's not just that that needs sorting. Yeah. It needs a deal for everybody. That means that if there's an extra billion pound of profit from an extra World Cup, well, where does that go? But if you're a player, would you would you look at the idea of a World Cup every two years? And be excited? <laughs> he go when he was playing. <laughs> every four years was too much. <laughs> um, no, I, I can understand why players wouldn't want to do it. Mm. You know, with the European Championships as well, it is nice to have a bit of a summer yeah. um, every now and again. Um, I'm not actually sure what Gary said. Are you, you for it or not? No, do you remember... He, I think he, want, he you were actually no, for no, it. No, 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 just, no, if no, it was no, done no, right. No, do you remember Le Tournoi and the Umbro Cup? Yeah, and but all those not tournaments. the same as the World Cup. No, no, but you're, like... You're talking about six, seven weeks for a World Cup. Yeah, no, but you were that, playing... That's ten days. You were playing Nations League. Now, you're playing until mid-June anyway. The, get, the league finishes in mid-May. You're playing until mid-June. It's not the same. Having a competition for six weeks, seven weeks, is not the same as what you've got now. But that's where there has to be some sort of what would be... Um, Compromise. Less is more. Yeah, I, I'm not against that either. I just think at the moment it's difficult for any organisation mm. to sell a new format because there is no trust between fans, pundits, media, players and the associations. Yeah. FIFA's come out of the biggest corruption scandal of all time. UEFA's come out of the biggest corruption scandal of all time. The structure in this country at the moment, no one trusts the big clubs in the Premier League because of what they've done. So to bring new formats forward today at this time is just the wrong time because there's no trust. We, we, you literally got players. Forget all these organisations. What yes. about the players? Well, you yeah, about fans. That's the main thing. I mean, fans. Yeah, Carrie, yeah. you, you spoke, you spoke to, you spoke travel to, to World Cups. You know, you, well, how did he try and sell it to you? No, I, I spoke to him a couple of times over the summer and then I went on a Zoom call with different other players and they were trying to get us on board. And I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was on board, but I was trying to, not just being totally against it, yeah. you know, football should never stay the same. 
it should evolve, it should move forward, what, what, how can we make it better? So I was talking to him about that, what, what, and he was talking about the actual calendar, and what Gary's just mentioned, the calendar's a mess. Yeah. The situation we're in now, we're going to have another international break in November, probably have another overlap as well. <laughs> uh, but it just, it almost feels to me like the Premier League doesn't start until like the end of November. It's yeah. almost a stop start, and every league feels like that. Now, I was talking about, could we have maybe one break, mm. or maybe two, not three, and then maybe put one of these breaks at the end of a season. And so, but then the season had finished earlier a little bit. So it's not in terms of the time, but just this international football getting in the way. I'm not a massive lover of international football in that. It frustrates me when FIFA are coming out with tournaments. And don't forget, international teams, the players are not theirs. They borrow them from the clubs. So this weekend, we've got, I think, 10 Brazilian players and maybe the Argentinian players not allowed to play for their clubs because they play for Brazil and Argentina. Even though these players are getting 250 grand a week, the, play, the clubs can't use them. That can't be right. They're not the internationals' players. And the thing about the World Cup, the idea actually started from Saudi Arabia. Their football federation got in, you know, with Wenger or FIFA because they feel like they're not getting enough top-level football. And as Arsene was talking about, if you're born in Saudi Arabia and you're a great footballer, why should you have a lesser chance of playing in a World Cup or top-level yeah. football? And you can almost go, well, OK. And that's why I was involved in it and talking, talking about it. But a lot of it, for me, comes from the Champions League, whether you like it or not, has been a massive success. It's the best level of football. From, I'd say, the knockout stage or quarter-final, you can't get anything better. Yeah. You can't. And I think this is FIFA's way of almost... We, we, need, to we need to do something physically and psychologically. I know how I felt after the 2006 World Cup. I wasn't the same player. But also, when you're talking about clubs going on tour, the clubs pay them. They are the clubs' players. Yeah. They, they should be able to have a rest and have a proper pre-season with their clubs. The ones who are paying them tens, twenty million pounds a year. They're not the they're not they're not the nation's players. They're the clubs. I, just one thing on the on the calendar. So I sat on a, a different Zoom call with Jamie, with Arsene Wenger, and a group of people just to listen to what the plan was. I don't like the September, October, and November interruptions to the leagues. I don't any fan does. It's like stop, start, stop, start. So one of the plans was that all the 10 games for a qualification for a tournament would take place in one month. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. So the fans would basically be able to get behind their country in the month of November, Almost say. Almost like they get behind their club. Yeah, behind, just November, we know that's the temperate. The downside of that is that if you've got a couple of players, say, for instance, in a, a country like... I don't know, let's say Sweden, Ibrahimovic. Mm. If he's missing in November, you may be not qualifying for a tournament because your player has got a hamstring for that month. That was the downside to it. But I think some of the suggestions that came forward about having an international month of 10 games, qualifying for a tournament, or maybe two lots of five, one in November, one in, say, February, and then you don't have any other internationals in the year. And the league might extend out a little bit. Yeah. So I do think there is a correction to the calendar, which would mean you've not got these constant interruptions every two weeks. You know, the Liverpool lads having to travel to Brazil, come back for two, three weeks, then go yeah. to Brazil for two weeks, come back and then go... That is not right, that. That is not right that we're making players travel 15, 16 hours mm. via other countries, then come back. It's, it just isn't right. So I do think some of the ideas that have been put forward are good, but I don't think the fans would probably have understood any of those ideas are being put forward and they need, they need to know as well. I mean, there was one question that I can't, get me, I can't quite work out. So if you've got a World Cup, so there's one, there's one free summer out of uh, four. So you've got World Cup, European Championship, World Cup. I asked him, and he didn't come back with an answer. So when the World Cup finishes, this and you've got to get to the Euros, how would you qualify for the Euros? Yeah, Where do you? Because you have a two-year qualifying period to get to a tournament. So once the World Cup's finished here, and the next summer's the Euros, or the next summer here's the World Cup. Where do you get these qualifying games? And so my only thought process is that there must only be four or five qualifying games, which means then the World Cup's probably going to have 48, 50, 60 teams. Yeah. So the actual quality of the tournaments are going down because it's not, it's not the elite at the World Cup or the Euros. It's actually a okay. festival of football. It's, it, it's for the world. It's for everybody. We should all be involved. Now, OK, I wouldn't be a massive lover of that you can say about other teams getting involved and why shouldn't they have a chance of playing at the world cup and expose themselves i can understand that argument but it then becomes not about quality it becomes about quantity and it's just it's just this tournament for everyone and, I, I, and that's not for me we're running out of time we've got a few minutes left i want to just open up the floor to the fans <laughs> any questions that you want to ask the guys before we go have you talked yourselves out yet jamie who's the first signing that you would make for newcastle in january Oh, what a question. Uh, you were linked with Tarkovsky. 
And I think you, it may not be sexy. He's come from Burnley. I think you're going to need five or six of those players to actually make sure you stay in the league. I really do. Scores you mentioned before about you know winning the championship, I, I, but I think you're going to have to make those type of signs that aren't going to excite people early on. And you've got to be players who will get you to sort of mid-table. So I'd say a signing like that type of sign, and you can talk maybe Jesse Lingard. I'd, I'd probably say a Tarkovsky or a Jesse Lingard. Who can you realistically buy? I think and, and Jesse also, Lingard's quite exciting. I, I, I'm, I like Jesse Lingard. I think he's a good player. But what you've also got to remember is every other club in the country, and I'm thinking it from a Liverpool point of view, is thinking, who's, new, who's going to take, who Newcastle's going to take off our hands? Oh, <laughs> I'll get a few quid out of them. <laughs> yeah, and that's what everyone will be thinking. So Bain will say, 40, 50 million for the centre-back. Man United will probably say 30 or 40 million for Jesse Lingard. And you're going to have to pay it. Uh, any, other, any other questions? Um, my one was more to Paul because I heard you guys talking earlier on about your potential title contenders, but you didn't really see Chelsea as title contenders. No. And what do you think the, that we're Lewis lacking in that case? I think you've got the manager to challenge. I'm just not sure. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced there's enough goals in your team. Do you think that's more the goal scorer or the creativity in the squad? Bit of both. I think Lukaku, I think he will score goals, but is there enough people around him to score goals? I'm not sure Werner will. Um, of the evidence of, hey, for Germany, <laughs> it looks like he scores every game. For Chelsea, it looks like he misses a lot of chances. Mainson Mount, again, he's, I put him in that, not quite the Grealish category, but he needs to start scoring goals. I think he's a great player. I think he's football brilliant. He's got to start winning games, almost in the mould that Frank Lampard did. I see him as that type of player, but Frank, he produced all the time. He won games for his team. And Mason Mount has to start doing that. I also think defensively, I don't think you're great defensively. Really? I think Rudiger's been really good. Got Other than that, you've got Thiago there. Silva, who's what, 36, 37? Mm -hmm. He's not going to play every game. Christensen's a young player. Um, I don't think, I think in the middle of the pitch, you're all right. I, I think I, Gini, um, Jorginho and Kante, Really good players. I'm just not score. I'm not sure. You'll score enough goals, and defensively you're good enough. I, I, I'm 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 pre I'm pretty sure about Chelsea. I've watched them three times. I think they've played City, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Tottenham in the first seven games, the top of the league. And City beat them. No, but I would say the top of the league, and they played four of the top teams in the so country. I know they did. I know <laughs> they did. City are the top teams. I don't hate Chelsea. I like Chelsea, no, no, but no. City went to Stamford Bridge and absolutely. I understand what you're talking about in terms of the attack. Creativity has been a huge problem for us this season, but defensively we look solid. Like I think we've got three of the best centre backs in the league right now, personally. Really? Yeah, Christensen, Rudiger. Well, Thiago Liverpool Silva. have got the best centre backs. Yeah, Liverpool have an amazing. City got two well. great ones. I think United have got two. Yes. Really good ones. City and Liverpool. I don't. I think. I think Chelsea are probably well. the weakest out of the four in the back in, the, in defensively. I think I'd have to agree to I disagree. Think they're a good you know what? They've got the two sitting midfield who do that brilliantly. Jorginho yeah. and Kante. They protect them. Yeah, the midfield. And, and that's possibly why they won't score enough goals. I'm sure last season we had the most goal scorers in the Premier League in terms of the amount of players that have contributed with goals. So even if Romelu Lukaku isn't scoring, they usually are someone yeah, that how many did they score, yeah. We did not score enough. Like our, we had so much. Well, it's all right saying you've had, had 12 players, players who scored a goal, goals. but if they scored one each, it's not enough, is it? Yeah, <laughs> right, guys, who's, who's got the, uh, the last question? Make it a good one. So my, my big issue with the Newcastle takeover, and I'm really, I'm like, I, I, I've got an affinity with Newcastle because of, you know, I understand from a fan's perspective that you just want something great to happen. And uh, for Spurs, it never really has. But for them, it looks like something could. But there's a wider issue where we're going to have that domestic um, league and, and, and eight or nine teams within it that will be uncatchable because they have these super owners, oligarchs, oil barons, whatever it might be. And in order to compete, you need one of them. And so, you, in effect, you get a Super League on a domestic level that's, that just won't change because the money demands it. I, I think that's an unfair assessment of the Premier League when I think that Chelsea and Manchester City have grown from clubs that, to be fair, would be ranked as lower than Everton, Tottenham, Arsenal and now seen as superpowers of European football. Blackburn winning the league, Leicester coming in and winning the league. I think that, for me... Look, I'm against FFP in its current form. I'm against, I'm, I'm against it in the sense that I think owners should be able to inject money, but they should have to guarantee it through bond. Um, because I think Peter Lim does. They should have to guarantee it through bond. We've got bond. the most money in League Two. We're 17. <laughs> <laughs> so my point is, I think the idea of sort of uh, a 
a competitive <laughs> league. I mean, what, what you've got in, in, in what you've got really in uh, in some countries like say France or even in Germany with with uh, Bayern Munich, with Barcelona and Real Madrid. I know Atletico Madrid have challenged, but they're at full pelt to challenge, and the job that Simeone is doing is unbelievable. We are in a better place, I think, with respect of competition through the fact of international investment and ownership. However, what they do need is they know they need to know their boundaries. So for me, I think that if FFP was truly introduced, Manchester United would be so far in front of every other club, it'd be untrue, trust me, in terms of revenue. None of them would be able. So the idea that other clubs can you know, join Manchester United has got to be a healthy thing. Man United have spent more money than anyone the last yeah, 10 no, years. Yeah, I'm just saying Manchester United, you know, <coughs> Manchester United make a profit and spend a billion quid. Yeah, fair play. You know what I mean? Now, if you're, if you, you can't spend a billion quid if you're Chelsea or Manchester City and make lots of profit. You just can't. So the idea that Newcastle would never be able to get to a level that Manchester United are ever again if FFP came in, I don't believe it's right. That is all we've got time for. A massive thank you to you guys, Harry, Jamie, Paul, and the fans, of course. And guess what? We'll see you next time. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.